Ephesians. And if you're just joining us, we've been uh, started in the book of Ephesians here in the beginning of January. And we've just been kind of going verse by verse, going through it, and seeing what God has for us as believers in Christ. And really the question is, is who, who are you? Who are we? Um, how does God define us uh, in Scripture? What is, how does God see us? And as we've been going through here, this has been truth after truth that's been laid up for us, that's been uh, revealed to us through Scripture, that we've been blessed by God. Uh, we've been redeemed by Christ, we've been sealed by the Spirit, and all those things are there. And as I told you, as we listen to truth and we hear truth, it's one thing to listen to it, it's one thing to hear it, but it's an entirely different thing to actually then to believe that truth of what God says. And past few weeks, we came upon this prayer that as Paul is revealing truth here in chapter number one, he then prays this prayer for these Christians here that are at Ephesus, and we find it here uh, in chapter number one, verses 15 through 23. Let me read through the prayer here again, because uh, we've been focusing in on just a few of the different parts of this prayer, and this morning we're going to actually finish this prayer up. But listen to the prayer again. He says, for this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And then he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might so that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. And so really it's in this prayer that we, that we see and sense the very heart of God that he wants us to know something about himself. God's been already revealing things about who we are. And God says, I want to show you who I am that I have immeasurable greatness of power, that my son that was dead was raised to life. He's seated at the right hand of me now. And this truth that is being given to us, the Bible tells us here that this truth is revealed to us so that we might believe, so that we might know and tap into that, to that immeasurable greatness of his power. And so we've been breaking this prayer up, and we're going to finish it here, uh, these last few uh, verses here as we look at it. So let's take a look here at these last few verses, verses 21 through 23. And I want to show you a few of these words here that give us this idea of who Jesus Christ is. And, you know, last week we looked about having uh, our eye, the heart, the eyes of our heart enlightened, that God would, God would give us this revelation of who he is, 
so we might know the hope of his calling, so that we might uh, know the inheritance of who we are in God, and so that also we might know this immeasurable greatness of his power. And he continues on with who Jesus Christ is, the one who has been resurrected from the dead, that's great power, and the one who has been ascended and seated by the right hand of the Father, that's great power. And we're supposed to have the the eyes of our heart enlightened to this. And look what he says about who Jesus is and the power that he has. And if you want to underline some things in your Bible, I think that's great. But look what he says here. Far above all rule. Jesus is far above all rule. Look what he says here. And authority. Jesus is above all rule and authority. He says, in power, in dominion. And he says, and above every name that is named. You know, when I say a certain name, we can start formulating ideas of who that person is. If I say President Trump, automatically you're already thinking about things about who he is. If I say the name Bob Johnston, you say who? But when we say the name of Jesus, in his name is contained who Jesus is, is above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. His name is exalted and lifted high above every single name. And I love this, not only in this age, but in the age to come. You know, there's been some great people that have lived on this earth. You think of like Alexander the Great. You think of Napoleon Bonaparte. You think of people that were world conquerors. But Jesus Christ is far above them. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. I want to show you some things here. Let's kind of go through some of the Bible here and show you how much authority and power that Jesus has. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 2. It says, In which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Jesus is far above the prince and the power of the air. That's Satan. Jesus is far above him in all authority and power. Look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 10. Look what he says here. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Jesus is far above. His power extends above all authority and all the rulers in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realm. And we looked at that a little bit about talking about the the heavenly places. We're not just talking about heaven. There is a spiritual world that is around us, that surrounds us. And Jesus has all authority and power in that realm. Look at Ephesians chapter number 6. Look at verse number 12. 
Look what he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Jesus has all authority and power over that. Flip over to the book of Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse number 16. This is speaking of Jesus and who he is. It says, for by him, Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse number 10. Look what it says here. It says, and you have been filled in him who is the head, that's Jesus, of all rule and authority. Jesus has power. Immeasurable greatness of his power is displayed. And it's at work. It's at work right now. Turn over to, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Hebrews, James, you come to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse number 22. Speaking of Jesus here, it says, 1 Peter 3, 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. This is Jesus. This is Jesus who came in the form of flesh, walked and lived among this earth for 33 years, was put to death at the hands of sinful men, was buried and rose again, and he has all authority and power. Not only now, but in the age to come. All things are under his feet. You know, back in the day, when rulers would go against each other, kingdom against kingdom, and eventually one of those kingdoms would fall, the, the, the ruler of that kingdom would, would subject himself to the other ruler. And one of the things that they used to do, uh, let me see, Mark, can I borrow you just for a sec? And Alex, can I borrow you too, real quick? One of the things they used to do is to subject themselves Literally, Mark, why don't you just, uh, can you lay down on the floor? <laughs> All right. So Mark is a ruler of a kingdom. Alex is a ruler of a kingdom. And this is what they would do. They would take their foot and they would literally put it on his neck. Showing that he is conquer, showing that he is ruler and authority over him. All right, thanks guys. You can sit down. <laughs> so when Jesus says that he has all authority and power, he has his foot over everything. He's in charge. He's powerful. And we just saying that name. What a wonderful name, the name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal. What a powerful name, the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? 
He has all authority and power. He's in charge. I want to give you a little nugget here, just kind of gnawing here. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. We're not here yet, but we will be soon enough. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6, it says here about us, it says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The point is here is the fact that if Jesus is and has all authority and power, if he's in charge of everything, if he is in absolute total control and his position that he has seating at the right hand of the Father, the Bible here tells us in Ephesians 2, 6, it says that we are seated with him in heavenly places, in the spiritual realm. So if Jesus has that authority and that power, what does that say about us? We're seated with him. We're, it's, you're on the right side. You're on the right side you want to be. You're sitting with Jesus. Nobody wants to sit on the losing team, but we're sitting with Jesus who has all authority and power. Understanding who we are in Christ then gives us great insight to our spiritual place and spiritual authority as well. Because when we come over to Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What does that say about us? We have a place of authority over the same things that Jesus has his foot on. And we have a, uh, an elevated place of victory, not of defeat. We have this in Christ because of who we are. And it's not a position of weakness, but of strength. So who's in charge? Jesus is in charge. Jesus has all authority and power. I want to show you a couple things about this. Number one, Jesus, the head of the church. Paul describes for us this great power that Christ has, and he sums it up basically in this phrase. Look at verse 22. He says that he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Christ is the head of the church. A similar statement we found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 10. It says, and is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Christ is the head of the church. This is a great mystery that has been revealed to us, that Christ is the head of the church. Now, when we think about that, hopefully you're not having this picture in your mind that there's like this mysterious floating head you know, floating around. No. When the Bible talks about Christ being the head of the church, it simply means that he's the leader. He's in charge. He's the one that, that rules everything. Uh, can I have the other elders, if you could just stand real quick. So Jeff, uh, Jerry's back there in the sound booth, and Tom here. So us four guys here, we are the elders here at this church. We don't own this church. 
Jesus does. It's his. This is not my church. This is not Tom's church. This is not Jeff's church or Jerry's church. This is Jesus's church. He's the only one that puts skin in the game. He died for it. It belongs to him. Now, Jesus has called us to be overseers, a manager, but it doesn't belong to us. And so when the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church, that means that he's the leader. He's in charge. He's the one that we follow. He's the one that we take order and direction from. We're just simple servants here. That's all we are. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. So Jesus is the head of the church. And so what is this purpose of his position as leader? Look what he says here. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head, the leader over all things to the church. That means then, because here we are, we're talking about this great authority, this great power that Jesus has. And if he is the head of the church, then that means that he plans to use the church in the exercise of his power and his authority, not ours. That means that Jesus is the ruler, Jesus is the head, Jesus is the leader. And he says, I have all this power and this is my church and I'm going to use it to exercise my authority and power in this age. That's something. What sets us apart from the PTA meeting? What sets us apart from a bowling league? or some other hobby enthusiast type group, Woodworkers Anonymous. <laughs> what sets us apart? We have a leader, a ruler named Jesus Christ who has all authority and power and he chooses to use us to exercise that authority and that power. But look at this. He says that he is the head over all things to the church. What is the church? A lot of, you ask people that, you say, what's the church? You get a lot of weird answers. Some people say, well, it's the building. Is this the church? Plaster and paint and carpet and music stands and flags and stained glass. Is this the church? This is not the church. This is all going to crumble. This is all going to fall away. This is all going to burn up with a fervent heat when Jesus Christ returns and he judges the world. What's the church? It's us. We are the church. We're the called out assembly. Those that name the name of Christ, those that have gathered together as, as one and, and Jesus is the head. Jesus is our ruler. Jesus is our leader. And he's gathered us together and he says, through you, through you, I want to exercise my power and authority on this earth. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the head of this church. Let's look at this uh, church here a little bit more closely. Secondly, I want to show you here, the church is Christ's body. Look what it says here, verse 22 again. The church, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. 
The church is his body. What does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? What does that mean that the church is his body? How are we different from any other group that meets? What does it mean for the church, us, to be Christ's body? What does it mean to us as individuals, who we are in Christ? What does that mean? We are his body. You see, when Christ walked upon the face of this earth, he had all authority and power. I mean, this was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Book of John tells us, it says, that we beheld him as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When John saw Jesus coming, the, the Spirit of God revealed to John and said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is Jesus walking upon the face of this earth with all authority and power. And when Jesus went to the cross, he had all authority and power. When they, when they put him on that cross and they, they drove those nails into his hands and into his feet and they were mocking him and laughing at him and scourging him and putting a crown of thorns on his head, Jesus had all authority and power. There he lay on the cross. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And all the sin, every vile, horrible sin was placed upon Jesus. And he was judged for our sin. And they crucified Christ. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. A Roman soldier came and they rammed a spear up to the side of Jesus. Out came blood and water. They took him down off the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. He had all authority and power. And then he resurrected from the grave. As the one who has all authority and power. Just before Jesus ascended to the Father, he said this, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the end of the earth. Jesus' own physical human body is no longer here on earth. It's gone. He resurrected. It's gone. Now we have become his body. In physical form, we are his body. We're his hands, we're his feet. We go to the places where Jesus wants us to go. We do the things that Jesus wants us to do. We name the name of Christ, we exalt Christ, we preach the gospel. We're going into a darkened world where we're sharing Jesus because we are his body. And with that, we have all authority and power. Because we are his body. 
But look at this. I love this. Paul goes a little further with this of us being his body. And look what he says here. Not only is the church Christ's body, but the church reveals his fullness. Look what he says. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. The church has power and authority because we are full of Christ. We are designed to be the full expression of Christ on earth. So I have to ask ourselves a question. I have to ask myself this question. Am I? Am I filled with the fullness of Christ? Are we as a group of Christ followers here filled with the fullness of Christ? Yes, we do any type of, of, of things and helping people and, and, and trying to reach people, but are we filled? Is the visible fullness of Jesus Christ being shown? Are we filled with Christ? Do we as individuals throughout the week, are we expressing Christ in our community, on our jobs, in our homes? Are we revealing his fullness? Are we operating in the power and the authority which we have in Jesus Christ? If we are dry, if we are rusty, if we're weakened, perhaps then we need to repent. And we need to ask God to fill us with his power. Too long, too long, too long have we lived our lives just merely getting by in our Christian walk, in our Christian life, in the power of the church. Just too long, too long, too long. You read the book of Acts, the early church, great authority and power. I mean, men coming that were practicing evil things coming and bringing books and burning them because of the transformation that Jesus has made in their life. Where is that? Where is it? It's not Jesus' fault. It's us. Let me give you a good illustration of this. Don't worry, I'm coming back. I have here a powerful item. You ask any woman, this is powerful. <laughs> Very powerful. It cleans like you will not believe. It can do amazing things. There is things that are contained within this item that can transform a home like you will not believe. Megan, can I borrow you real quick? Okay. Now, Megan, you do know what this is, right? What is this? It's a vacuum. It's a vacuum, right. And what do you do with a vacuum? You move it. You move it? What's the purpose of it? 
to clean the floor, right? So it has a purpose. And when there's a need, you can use this vacuum to fulfill that need, right? So if your floor's dirty, you get out the vacuum and you clean with the floor with the vacuum, right? Okay. Now, I want you to vacuum this carpet here, but don't plug this in. Why? Well, try it. Try it. Just, just try it a little bit. Go ahead. Start vacuuming. Maybe start making some make-believe noises, and maybe that might help. <laughs> try it. Come on. I want to see the floor vacuumed. Hard. Come on. Try it. Is it working? So what do I need to do? Plug it in. That's right. And where do I plug it in at? The plug. The plug, right. Is that right over there? You want to try it? See if you plug it in. See if it works. Switch is on the floor there. On the bottom. Turn it on. Hey, look at that. It works. All right, go ahead and turn it off. So I can't use the vacuum without plugging it in, right? There's power that's being flowed from there to here. I think you guys get the point. Jesus has all authority and power. What do we need to do? We need to seek God for that power. We need to be pleading for God. God, we want this power. We want this power. We need this power. Thank you, Megan. You sit down. Look again here at this, at this prayer, because don't miss this. This is, this is like one of those aha, aha type moments. Look what he says here, Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17, he tells us about having this, this spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. He says that the, uh, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, verse number 18. Verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who what? Believe. That's what we need. We need to beg God. Beg God for this power. We can't do it without him. We need that power. Remember what Jesus said in John 15? I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do everything. No, without me, you can do nothing. 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 We need his power. We need his power to fill us with the fullness of Christ. Let's pray.